Hello and welcome to this message from Totnes United Free Church. We pray that as you listen, God will speak to you. Morning, everyone. It's a joy to be able to come and share with you this morning. Just as we were worshipping, I was... um, a, a phrase came back to my mind um, from a good friend of mine called Phil Tate, who's part of ICTHUS. He's the sort of lead evangelist for ICTHUS. And he said once, um, he said, one day a simple soul will pick up the Bible, believe it, and put us all to shame. It's something that kind of stuck with me. And as I was looking around, I just thought, I am so blessed to be able to live out my Christian life with a whole room of simple souls who believe the word and want to live it. And we're in this whole game of of learning how to live this kingdom life together. And I believe there is enough potential in this room through simple faith in Jesus to put the world to shame. And so this makes it a wonderful place to, to preach. It makes it a wonderful place to share the word, to dig into the word and to say, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to be? How can we become more like Jesus? It's always a joy. Now, we are starting a new preaching series today. It's a three-part series called Catch the Wind. And it's based on a prophetic word that was shared in our prayer planning team as we really listened to the Lord. Lord, what is your priorities for this coming season? Um, we, we had this word about this church in the form of a boat. So I'm going to invite Pauline to come and share um, that word because she brought it to the meeting. Yeah, it was a very simple picture, really. Um, But as we were praying about the way forward and what God has for us in this new season, um, where he wants to go, I had a picture as I was praying of a boat. And we were all in the boat, every one of us. We're all in there together. We're like community, family. We're all in there together. The boat had a sail, but it wasn't hoisted. And it's like we were just in this boat and just drifting around a bit. And I felt as though the Lord said, it's time to hoist the sails. It's time to hoist the sails, to let the wind of my spirit begin to push you in the direction of the adventures I've got for you in my kingdom for this coming season. And I believe that that hoisting of the sail is our faith, that we need to let faith arise to all the possibilities and expectations of everything God wants to do in us and through us as a body of believers together in this place. So that was, that was the picture. It's good, isn't it? Excited about that? So rather than just uh, receive the word and think, oh, that sounds good, let's do that, and then just forget about it, uh, we thought, well, wouldn't it be good to to be able to kind of immerse ourselves in this word from God? If we believe God has spoken to us, let's take it seriously and learn how to step into the fullness of what God is whispering to us as a church. We want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and to walk in it. So this next sort of month or so, um, we're going to be just lingering on this word. And so today is all about the wind of the Spirit, how the Spirit moves, empowers, and guides us as believers. And then Fraser is going to be speaking about raising our faith. If, if our faith is the sail that carries us into the wide open spaces of God, we need to know how to raise our faith, each and every one of us, don't we? So how, how faith grows, 
how to put it to use, and how it can help us to catch the movement of the Spirit. And then the final one I'm calling shipmates, because we're going together. And it's how, when we journey together into the things of God, it's then uh, that this shared journey in the wind of the Spirit brings freedom and transformation to each and every one of us and keeps us on course when we go together as well. Does that sound good? That's the next three sessions. So today is all about the wind of the Spirit. Um, and so I, so I can get us to start to think about how the Spirit moves in people's lives. Uh, I'm going to start with a question. You know, I love to start with a question, especially these days, get your little brain cells going. Um, a close friend has just become a Christian and had some wonderful encounters with the Spirit of God. They come to you for help as they are eager to follow God's purposes for them, and they don't know how to do that. What's the first pieces of advice you would give to that new believer as they come and ask, how do I step into the purposes of God for my life? Talk to the person next to you, see if you can come up with a couple of ideas. What advice would you give to this new believer? All right. Got some ideas. Let's have some quick fire feedback. What's the first things you might, bits of advice you might give to a believer who wants to understand? how to follow the Holy Spirit or to step into their purpose. Go. Do an Alpha course. Look at the New Testament. See how the believers did it in those days. Love it, man. You got the vibe. Just stay with it, man. Just, just flow with that thing. Love it. John. Yeah. Do you hear that? Find some fellow Christians to meet up with regularly to share your faith and to grow. Rachel. Did you hear that? Join a church that's passionate with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Exactly. You're in the right place, people. Barry. Share some of your own experience. That's a good one. Yeah. Remind me of your name. Rick. Go. Prayer and more prayer. Keep praying. Absolutely. Sefton. Hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. One more. No, no. Go. Yeah, yeah. Go on, Liz. Love it. See, see, you're all full of great advice. Any one of you could receive someone who's a, who's a new believer and just help to start to mentor and to guide people in the right direction. Uh, isn't it wonderful that we've got a whole church of people that can help in that way because we're going to need you all as people come to faith. Do you want to see us uh, look at a sort of crash course in doing this that, that Jesus has given us? Um, so uh, John and chapter 3. Jesus meets with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is someone who is just starting to understand that the kingdom of God applies to him. He is a scholar. 
He's, a, he's high up in the Jewish world. He's, I think he's a member of the Sanhedrin. Um, and yet he has been captivated by this miracle-working prophet. And he wants to know how he can enter the kingdom of God, how he can experience the things of the Spirit that he is seeing modeled in Jesus. And so he's so scared about being outed for his interest in Jesus. He comes in the middle of the night and knocks on Jesus' door and wakes him up. And Jesus gives him time. Let's read it together. Uh, John chapter 3 and from verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. So he's like top of the tree as far as Jewish law goes. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So he, he preempts what this man's heart's desire is and just goes straight in with an answer. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, no, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. I love that. The Spirit is like a wind, says Jesus. It blows where it wills. It's a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit and how it moves amongst people and across the earth, doing all sorts of things on the planet. And it's an echo of, of Genesis, isn't it? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, like second verse in the entire Bible, says that the earth was formless and void, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. There's this moving wind of the Spirit that is all around the globe, ready for the Word of God to bring life and create form and beauty and substance. This Pharisee would have straight away made that connection with the wind of God. He's, he's immersed in the Scriptures. He would have understood that this is the Spirit of God that Jesus is talking about. So the Spirit is uncontrollable. He's unrestricted. He is, he is the presence and power of God moving over the earth. Jesus is guiding Nicodemus into a new life, one that is different and sensitive to God. And it begins with the moving of the Spirit in his life. Jesus is resting on the conviction that the Spirit is always moving. So when Nicodemus is sitting opposite him in the middle of the night, he maybe just made him a nice cup of tea, giving him a blanket. Jesus is assuming that the Holy Spirit is already moving in his life, is already guiding him, leading him, drawing him to Jesus. He's assuming that, that this is a man marked out by God and the Holy Spirit is at work. And as Jesus guides him and leads him, the Holy Spirit is going to do an even deeper work. And that's the kind of assumption that I think he wants us to make. When we are with people, assume that the Spirit is already moving. Assume that the Spirit is already working on his intentions and purposes for people in their lives. He will birth, new life, as and when the Spirit wills, but he's always moving. Most people are unaware of the movement of the Spirit in the earth. It's a bit like physical wind. We, with our 
central heating and our double-glazed windows can insulate ourselves from the wind on this planet quite well. We, we can be unaware of the, change, the elements and the changing of the seasons. I once spoke to a, a van lifer, someone that has given up their, their um, comfortable council house to live in a van and to tour around. It's, it's now a, a bit of a, a movement. There's lots of people doing this, deciding to live on the road, uh, partly because they can't afford to do anything else, and for some people because they're called to it. And I once spoke to this van, uh, van lifer who is, uh, I think she, he was in his 50s, something like that. And he said, after the first year of living in my van, I became aware of the power and the beauty of the elements and the seasons. I had spent my whole life living indoors, and I'd never really noticed. First encounter with the power of the wind and the, and the rains and the elements and the heat and everything, because they're living outside all the time. Jesus said that waking up to the moving of the Spirit of God is a bit like that. We need to begin a new life. We need to step out of the insulated comfort zone of constantly trying to maintain our lives in, in, in the way that we like to maintain them and to become aware of the moving of the Spirit, of the changes of the seasons spiritually. He says to Nicodemus, we have to be reborn to begin a new kind of life, one that is born of the Spirit and sensitive to Him. So how do we do that? What does God require from us to begin this new spirit-sensitive life? Jesus says in verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So to begin to to cultivate a Holy Spirit-infused life, we are totally reliant upon Him. I always love it when the Scriptures kind of say, well, this is all about what God's going to do for us. It kind of takes pressure off ourselves to be able to produce this. You can't do very much yourself to become a more spirit-filled, a more spirit-sensitive person. You can do some. You can yield and you can cooperate and you can set your time to be able to be sensitive. But God does the work. It is God moving in your life that will make you more sensitive to the moving of the Spirit. We just got to want it and receive it as a gift. You can't manufacture this or get there yourself. And then Jesus modeled it for us. He modeled what it looks like to be responsive to the movement of the Spirit. The very first time it talks, the Bible talks about Jesus being moved by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, is in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, just after he's been baptized. And you've got that lovely picture of the Holy Spirit settling upon Jesus as he comes up out of the waters of baptism. The very next verse, Matthew 4, verse 1, it says this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Are you encouraged? (laughs) That's the very first time. This is the very first example of Jesus being led by the Spirit. What does this tell us? In that one verse, we learn a couple of things. Number one, when the Spirit rests upon us, He can and will lead us in very specific ways if we allow Him to. Jesus knew as soon as He came up out of the water and the Spirit was upon Him, He knew He had to head straight for the desert. I want to have the kind of life that is led powerfully by God. That as I hit a new season in my life, I can sense that God is calling me to do some specific things. 
and move in specific directions. I want to be that sensitive to God. So that's the first thing. Um, he can call us in very specific ways and lead us in very powerfully in specific directions if we allow him to. Secondly, it's not always comfortable. The first thing the Spirit did was lead Jesus into the wilderness for trials, temptations, and conflict. This cuts against some of the teaching that you and I will hear in different parts of the church, where to be led by the Spirit is just to be blessed, to prosper, to have everything go well in your life. And a sign of not being led by the Spirit is that calamity comes. Have you heard that kind of teaching? There is a, there is a blessing from being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit will also help you to avoid stupid mistakes, of course. But there is no guarantee by following the Spirit of God, that your life will be a bed of roses. If you look at all of the early examples, including Jesus, I mean, literally, day one, difficulty and trial and struggle. He had to go through something in order to become something for us. All right? The Spirit will do the same with us. Sometimes he will lead us through a difficult experience in order to become something because he's got purposes for us to fulfill. Look at the apostles. Did any one of them have it easy? Most of them were martyred. That'll give you a clue. The Lord doesn't guarantee an easy life by following him. Look at the Apostle Paul. One of the best examples in the whole of Scripture of how to be led by the Spirit into the things and purposes of God and to achieve phenomenal things with God. And he was shipwrecked and stoned and imprisoned and... You name it, he had it. So it's not always comfortable. We all like the idea of being led into our destinies by the Holy Spirit, don't we? But I'm guessing we like the idea of being led into trial a little bit less. Yet it's the wilderness, wilderness experience that forges us. If we as a church are going to weigh anchor in our safe and comfortable lake, and set sail on the high seas of God's purposes, we are going to experience some stormy weather. It's not necessarily a sign of failure or a lack of discernment that we got it wrong. It's not necessarily a sign that we are moving against God's will. Sometimes it's part of the growth process. Sometimes it's part of the unsettling of the spiritual realms around us as we raise our voice for Jesus. Sometimes it's a sign of the spiritual battle that we're in, where the enemy says, look at those guys. Quick, get down there. They're, they're getting too close to Jesus. You know? Sometimes it is all just part of the battle and the forging of becoming like Christ is part of the sanctification process as God brings us into these times where we are refined because we go through struggle. And we have to learn to love each other even though we struggle. It's part of it. The storms run alongside the revivals. We can't have one without the other. We simply can't experience the full purposes of God if we're preoccupied with our comfort and safety. Amen? We would be, if, if we were preoccupied with our comfort and safety, we would be like a crew... A ship's crew who are constantly talking a good talk, but never pull up the anchor. And it's easy to be like that, isn't it? It's easy to marvel at all the wonderful things of the Lord. Hello, welcome. Um, and, uh, and then just fail to, 
take a single step towards it. I believe the Lord is looking for believers who are more hungry for his will to be fulfilled than they are for the preservation of their own lives. A people who will be prepared to put their big boy pants on and trust him under all circumstances, whatever may come. A courageous people. Which sounds exciting, but how do we do it? Well, the rest of this message, I'm going to give you three ways that God gets us moving and guides our course. And the first one is the most important. And if you take nothing else away from this message, I want you to take this one thing. Are you listening? The Holy Spirit launches us out, often before he tells us where we're going. The Holy Spirit is a sending spirit. He sends people. You look through the whole of the Bible. Again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Before God does anything significant in any generation, he'll find someone and send them. And they often haven't got a clue about what they're sent into. It began with the father of faith, Abraham. Just said, go, leave your father and mother. Leave the land that you love. Leave this place that is home and go and I will show you where I'll take you. He hadn't got a clue. And he just went. That's how it's always been. And that's how it is right through the scriptures. That's how it was with Jesus. That's how it was with the, with the apostles. That's how it's been in the early church. That's how it's been right through church history. And whenever God has done something significant in any generation, it's taken people who are willing to take him at his word, send me and I'll work out the details later. If you're waiting for the details about what God is sending you into and what he wants you to do with your life, you'll be waiting forever. That's not how he works. He's not going to give you a full blueprint. The Holy Spirit loves to send people. Do you know the word apostle just means sent one? Isn't that good? The Lord is raising up people with an apostolic spirit. You don't have to be Paul the apostle. You don't have to be this big wig person that is, you know, seems to be a super powerful person for God and a leader in the church. You just need to get hold of this apostolic nature of the Holy Spirit where he loves to send us. He loves to allow us to be part of this sent people. Acts 13, verses 1 to 4, you've got this beautiful moment of sending for Paul and Barnabas. I'll read it to you. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. And one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them, sorry, to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. The next verse says, They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and sailed for the island of Cyprus. I'd love to have been there. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine them saying, Right, we're going to go. Which direction? Not a clue. Where do we go? Well, let's just go down to the port and see what's going where. They get down to the port. There's a boat going to Cyprus. When are you leaving? Two hours. Well, let's just pray for an hour and see if we should get on it. You can imagine Paul and Barnabas just taking a, you know, wandering off separate ways up the beach and they come back together. What do you sense? Should we get on this one or should we wait for the next one? I've got real peace about getting on this one. Yeah, me too. Great. Okay, let's go. Then. Let's do that. 
There's this tremendous freedom to it. You know, all they've got is the sending. They haven't got a destination. They haven't got an itinerary. God hasn't said, right, I want you in Cyprus, then I want you in Ephesus, then I want you in Corinth. He hasn't said any of that. He's just said, go, and they've gone, okay. <laughs> and, and I love that. This, the Lord then works with them as they land in Cyprus, and they're in Paphos. Suddenly, the, the Spirit begins to move, and there's all sorts that happen. People get saved. Testimonies just start to flow. Miracles start to flow. And it all comes from the power of the sending, not the power of the itinerary or the destination. It's just a clear sending, and it was enough to get them going. We are spiritual descendants of Paul and Barnabas. We're only here as believers because they were allowed the Holy Spirit to send them and send them and send them until they ended up in Macedonia, which is in Europe, and then that spread across to us. Many spirit lovers have been inspired by this sending of this first mission team. These islands were once set on fire with the love of Jesus because believers were so inspired by this sending heart of the Holy Spirit that they were willing to be sent out of their places of community with nothing but ascending to take the love of Jesus to the UK. And we have seen phenomenal moves of God in the past. Aidan, Cuthbert, Patrick, Columba, all of these people went out. They, they, they had a practice of wandering for the love of Jesus. In other words, they were sent out with no destination, trusting that the Holy Spirit would lead them to know what to do every step of the way. This is, that is a rare kind of ministry, that is. What do you do? I'm a wanderer for the love of Jesus. You see a few, a few of them today in all sorts of different expressions, but there is something about that that freedom and that um, obedience just to go on the sending and not on the destination that allowed God to move people where he wanted them to go and set people up for divine appointments in different places. It's wonderful. When the Britons turned to Christ, Brendan, another cracking monk, stood on the shore, looked out over the, towards the horizon, and said, Lord, send me. I'm going over there. And he set out in his coracle, in his wood, wood and leather little boat, which had no rudder because he didn't want to steer it himself. He wanted the Holy Spirit to guide him. He and his mates jumped in the sea saying, God, blow us wherever you want us to go. They hoisted a simple sail that, could be, that would move on its own in any direction and said, Lord, we'll trust you that we, you will, we're going to launch out over the ocean. We don't even know if there's land out there. But in case there's someone to be saved on the other side of the horizon, we're going to go. And they let the wind carry them to their destination. That takes some faith, doesn't it? That's part of our, that's our spiritual ancestors right there. That's people who we are descended from spiritually. That's amazing. What a spirit of adventure. This is the power of allowing God to send us without having to pin down all the detail. The conviction of being sent was itself always enough to open their experience to the wind of the Spirit and the outbreak of miracles. So the prayer here is this. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. It was and is still enough we are going to have a chance to do that this morning. So that's the first thing. 
God gets us moving by sending us. A couple more little things. Sometimes the Lord will reveal some kind of destination. Sometimes he does. And uh, we see this in the life of Paul as well. He usually doesn't show us how we're going to get there or when it's going to happen. Have you noticed that? Sometimes he'll give us an inkling of a promise of, of something he wants to fulfill in our lives. And those are precious and to hang on to. But he usually doesn't tell us how or when they will be fulfilled. And we can get all frustrated trying to do it in our own way in the process. But Acts of the Apostles, verse, uh, chapter 20, verses 22 to 24, says this. This is Paul again. And now, Paul says, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So here, I, this, is, this is showing me that Paul has got two um, promises to be fulfilled, and that's guiding his direction. And actually, it says um, uh, that he... Decide, this is from on verse 20, chapter 20, verse 16. Paul decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem. So that this promise that he had to get to Jerusalem and this promise that he had burning within him that he was going to be a light to the Gentiles, he was going to be someone that's going to bring good news to the Gentile world, were two guiding things that allowed him to set his course and encouraged him to keep going through all the trials. He hurried past Ephesus. He didn't want to get waylaid. He didn't want to get distracted from the thing that God had called him to do. He, he, he knew he had to get to Jerusalem, even if it was going to cost him. He felt the Holy Spirit was guiding him, blowing him to Jerusalem. So a promise from God can be a wonderful help to keep us moving forward with the purposes of the Holy Spirit. It can help us to overcome struggles and obstacles. It can help us to embrace sacrifice. If the, the call of God involves you, involves a cost, Paul was well aware that by going to Jerusalem, he'd end up in chains, and yet he followed. That takes, again, some, a, a very high level of worship, a very high level of obedience, of saying, God, that my life is not about me, it's about you. And so even though I know it's going to hurt, I'm going that way because I believe you've called me to it. So sometimes the Holy Spirit will guide us, will blow us in a direction by giving us just enough information to know which direction we're to strike out in. Um, and that is something to hold on to. If God has given you promises, let's take them seriously. Let's hold them lightly. Let's nurture them and hold them and, and treasure them. Let's not hold God to ransom in order to fulfill them in the way that we want him to. But let's treasure them and let's allow them to, to blow us in a certain direction and to stop us from getting distracted with the things that don't matter. This is Paul's example here. We've, there's many examples, by the way, in the Bible where people have you know, received a promise from God and it's, we, they've made a great big hash of it. So that's good as well, isn't it? We, we know that even if we make a mess of it, God can still fulfill his purposes in our lives. I mean, look at Abraham. He tried all sorts of ways to become father of many nations. Uh, and then in the end, God did it his way. So God will still do that, even if you've made a hash of it. But many of our heroes of faith have begun with a, prep, with a prophetic promise. So 
For Paul, it was that he'd be a light to the Gentiles, and it was enough to keep him going. So God will send us. Sometimes God will whisper some one detail, something small that will allow us to keep us going. Thirdly, sometimes the Lord blows us forward where he wants by closing all the doors to the other directions. Has God ever done that in your life? Slammed a few doors in your face? It's painful at the time, isn't it? <laughs> Acts 16, and from verse 6. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. They must have been getting pretty frustrated at this point. So instead, they went through Mycenae to the, the seaport of Troas. And that night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Oh, when God closes a door, it can be really frustrating. It can be even demoralizing. You know, you can think, where, where is my life going? I was sure God was leading me in this direction or that direction. I cannot understand why God would not allow me to move forward in my life. Have you ever had experiences like that? Put your hand up if you've been frustrated with God over things like that. There you go. This is good. Look around. Don't let anyone tell you that the Christian life can't be sometimes frustrating. It really is. Um, I've had many times like this where I, I have really sensed God call me in a certain direction. And then I've started moving towards it. And then everything seems to go wrong or block my path. And I'm thinking, well, God, are you, are you helping? I'm trying to follow the, the life here. And, and here I am struggling. I remember one time God clearly called us to, to go and work with Ixus in London. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, uh, we, we, we were called to do a three years, initially a three-year stint working in Forest Hill in London. And so we, we accepted this call as a call of God. We accepted that this was what God wanted us to do. And we put our house in order. And we put our house on the market. And this poor estate agent tried to sell our house for about nine months because we knew this was coming. And we just could not shift it. We dropped the price and we dropped the price again. And they were marketing it really hard. They were, they were, everybody that was coming in looking for anything like that, they were, they were trying to point them in our direction. And we had hardly anyone that wanted to come and look at it. And those that did were in and out in minutes. And we just had, there was not a sausage. No interest at all. And then I thought, oh, we're going to have to rent our house and then rent something in London. Because um, we, we, were, we were wanting to pack up and go as a, you know, sign of we're leaving our old life behind and going forward. But anyway, so we thought we're going to have to rent the house. We didn't want to be landlords and trying to do something in a different town. Um, but there we go. That's what we had to do in the end. And we went. One year later, God called us back. And we lived in that house for another three years. We needed it again. We couldn't see that before we left because we were signing up for at least three years, imagining it was going to be a lot longer. After one year, we were back. Three years later, having lived in that house for another three years when we needed it, time came to move again and to live where we're living now and to do what I'm doing now. And so we put our house on the market again, this time not with an agent, but with a 40p postcard in the village post office. 
It sold within a week for the asking price. No agent's fees, nothing. Because it was the right time. Sometimes God will slam a door in your face because he knows better than you. You can jump up and down getting all frustrated as much as you like and blame him for blocking your path. And he'll just smile back at you because he knows you. And he knows the plans he has for you. We have to learn to trust him. I think I learned a big lesson through that one. Does that mean that I, I never still get frustrated? No. I still throw my toys out of my cot sometimes. I, I still have to learn this again with every new situation that comes. But I'm starting to learn. Mary and I together are starting to learn that when we hit frustrations, when we feel blocked, when things don't go well, when we have all these plans that seem to sort of crumble and something else opens up, we're starting to understand that God will guide us. And at the end of our lives, we're going to look back and see the faithful hand of God guiding us through our lives. And it is the same for you. He is that faithful over your life. And he will always be faithful. His ways are not our ways. As it was with the Apostle Paul, our setbacks are never the end of the story. As one door closes on us, God can open another one. And usually the door that the Lord opens is one that we can't see at the outset. But we've got to trust that he's preparing the way if, and if we, are, if we are willing for him to guide us. Okay, so God will send us. God will sometimes give us a hint of the destination that will help to guide us. And God will prevent us from going all the wrong ways and open the doors that he wants us to walk through. But I'm going to finish on a very practical note. How can I rearrange my life to be more sensitive to the wind of the Spirit carrying me forward? few things, few keys. We've got to use our navigation equipment. This is a very boaty theme, so I thought I'd stick with it. First, observe the wind. Daily, what are you doing, Lord? Which, wind, which way are you blowing today? What, what is your priorities today? Just, just by simply being aware of, seeking to be aware of what God is doing, you can learn so much about where he's taking you. Secondly, hoist your sails. Keep your faith high. Fraser's going to be teaching us how to do that in the next session. But, but we've got to keep our expectation high. We've got to keep our awareness of God moving high. We've got to keep our understanding that God will move with me today high. As we let those sails drop, we drift. Thirdly, set your rudder if God has given you a, 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 a hint of where he's taken you. Just keep praying over those words and pictures God has given you. Just keep moving in that direction. Thirdly, check your unique compass. God is the one who can direct your unique life story. And it's not the same as anyone else. But daily, check in with God in prayer, in the word. Just that daily time with God can then give you that one degree orientation each time. Just to correct your path that little bit so you don't end up miles off course. But daily you're coming back to the root. You're coming back to the root. You're coming back to the root. And it's the Holy Spirit within your heart that can give you those little prompts. This is the way. Walk in it. This is how the Celtic Church did it. It was a daily quest to understand what do you want me to do just today. And little by little the story will unfold. And I think this is, it reminds me of um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Captain Jack Sparrow has a compass. And it po doesn't point north, it points towards his ship. It's so funny. Uh, it's a bit like that with us. God's given us a spiritual compass. 
and it points towards his destiny for our lives. And it's different to everybody else's. But you can check in, check your compass every day. Lord, am I on track? Is there anything that I should be focused on? Finally, go together. Together we stay on course, we weather the storms, and there's more about that in a few weeks' time as well. But being together, it's amazing how we can stay in the flow of the wind of the Spirit together. So, just as I close, let me preach to your hearts that all of you are called to this life, not just the gifted ones, the ones that maybe we put on a pedestal. This ability to be led by the Spirit is a gift given to all members of God's family. Romans 8, 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That is true the other way around too. For all who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Some of us may be afraid. Some of us may be afraid that God will put us in situations where we will flounder. And we need to pray for deeper trust in him. Some of us may be too attached to the comfort of our lives to be open to new experiences. We need to acknowledge it and confess it and pray for courage and a fresh call to go forward. Some of us may have hearts that are so insulated against the wind of God that we can't remember what it feels like to have him move in us with any power or around us or through us with any power. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to birth a new season of life exposed to his presence. And some of us are like Brendan, standing on the beach looking at the horizon, full of faith and adventure, yearning for an opportunity to set sail on a fresh adventure for the love of Jesus. We're all in different places with this, but wherever we are right now, I believe the Lord would say, if, if you will put your trust in me, I will send you. I will send you. Liz, I wonder if you would come and play just for a moment. And I'm going to pray. And I wonder if we can finish this time we've had together just with a simple prophetic action. When you are, just to sit, yeah, sit with the Lord and just listen. Just bring your life before him. Acknowledge how exposed you are right now to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you feel like you're anchored down? Do you feel like you're afraid? Do you feel like that this kind of adventure in the Lord is for other people and not for you? Just acknowledge where you are. Do you feel like you just cannot wait for a fresh season and you're totally up for it? <laughs> Let's just acknowledge where we are before God. And if you'd like to, when you're ready, you can stand. But only stand when you're ready to pray this prayer. Here am I. Send me. When you're ready for a fresh sending into a fresh season, I want to encourage you just to stand and receive from the Holy Spirit everything you need for where God is calling you to. Lord, I want to thank you for your prophetic words and pictures. I want to thank you for the promises and encouragements that you give us through your word. Lord, we want to be faithful. 
And we want to find fresh courage. We want to see lives transformed as a result of your fresh sending of us as a church. So Jesus, would you use us to glorify your name in this area? Would you let your kingdom advance? Let your will be done and let your love be known. Lord, would you place your call afresh on our lives and send us out in the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to give it all once again for the freedom for the freedom and the sense of your guiding hand once again at work in our lives. For the increase of your miracles in our experience. For the power of your gospel to flow through us. Give us the courage to stand for you and to move forward. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you show me a picture of someone with empty pockets? Thank you, Lord. Lord, you love it when we've got empty pockets. Sets us up for provision and miracles. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come just as we are. We can come no other way. Just have a sense of the Lord saying to each of us that are willing to be sent for him. It is a joy to sail with you. Can you feel it? Can you feel the pleasure of God at the idea of going forward with us into the things that he's been dreaming about for generations? Can you feel the excitement of the Holy Spirit for what he's setting us up for. And he wants to use little old us 
Lord, I pray that those of us who are standing would be able to mark this moment as a sending moment. And wherever you would carry us in our working lives, when we're resting, when we're socializing, when we're doing the shopping, when we're running errands, wherever you would send us, Lord, may we go as sent people. And would you make us sensitive to the movement of your spirit? Give us divine appointments. Give us moments of grace where we can share a word, where we can stretch out our hand to minister something of the beauty of your kingdom in healing or a word of encouragement. And would you give us the joy of seeing people turn to you, that they may be moved by the Spirit themselves, Lord God. We love you, and we want your name to be known. Send us, Lord. Father, as we're in this still place, pray that you'll cement those agreements that we've made. Help each of us to find people who can support and mentor us on this journey as we've made this commitment to to get into the boat and to observe the wind and follow your spirit. Help us look back on this day as an important day in our journey with you. And look back when we've followed the wind, followed your spirit to where it began. Amen. So thank you to Aid. Um, who's both encouraged and challenged us today. Um, If you do want prayer, please feel free to find somebody. Um, There'll be plenty of people wandering around if you want somebody to pray with. And um, feel free to help yourself to tea and coffee. And look forward to seeing you next week when Fraser will be preaching. Thank you. Hi, thanks for listening. We would love to welcome you to explore life and faith with us at Totnes United Free Church. If you would like more information about how to get involved, you can find us at totnesunitedfree.com.